You are listening to the City on a Hill Sermon Podcast. For more information about our church and to support this ministry, visit cityonahilldfw.com. Thank you. Well, good morning. Let's give God another round of applause. Indeed, we do praise him for what he has done. Jesus died for sins that he did not commit and paid a price that we could not pay. And so for that, we ought to be grateful. My brothers and sisters, I'm thankful to be here this morning. I'm thankful for the friendship of Pastor Derek. Um, You know, some things are perspective. Right, And so I heard uh, Pastor Derek speaking about the roof, but I think the story may turn out to be a little bit different when I tell it. So usually my mom, my mother-in-law, who are not here today, both of them would usually call me and know that I'm preaching, and they would say something to the fact like, you know, how did it go? Uh, How did the sermon go? I'm going to say, well, let's just put it like this. The roof is no longer on the building. Right? There you go. Want to uh, acknowledge my sweet wife, Andrea, who does not like to be seen, but that's okay. She's right over there with my kids, Carl. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Carl Jr., who's the musician. And look, look, he's, he's owning it. That's right. And Abigail. Abigail as well. So thankful that they're here to support me, yes. And thank you guys for having me. If you have your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8. I'll be reading verses 27 through 38. Verses 27 through 38. Mark chapter 8, starting at verse 27, says these words. Jesus went out along with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi. And on the way, he questioned his disciples, saying to them, Who do people say that I am? They told him, saying, John the Baptist. Others say Elijah, but others, one of the prophets. And he continued by questioning them, but who do you say that I am? Peter answered and said to him, you are the Christ. And he warned them to tell no one about him. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests, the scribes, and be killed and after three days rise again. And he was stating the matter plainly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning around and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on God's interests, but man's. And he summoned the crowds with his disciples and said to them, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whosoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whosoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and to forfeit his soul? For what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For whosoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will also be ashamed of him when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Amen? Amen. Let us pray. Our God and our Father, we thank you and we praise you for this day. We thank you, Father, for the word that will go forth in a moment. We pray, Father, that although one of your servants is speaking, that we will hear the very words and voice of you, Father, that the Spirit would communicate to us today what it is that we need to know from this text. 
remind us of things that we already know and bring back to our remembrance to encourage us to be better ministers and witnesses for your namesake. And we pray if there's one here today that does not know Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of their sins, it would be clear to them as well. Father, in all that will transpire today and all of the worship and everything that has gone forth so far, we pray that you be exalted, that you be magnified, that all glory be unto you. These things we do ask in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Church, say amen. 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 From Mark chapter 8, verses 27 through 38 today, I want to tag this message. Whom do you follow? Whom do you follow? All of us at some point in this life will be faced with making crucial decisions. No matter your gender, no matter your ethnicity, your social economic status, your level of education, be assured at some point in this life, you and I will face making crucial decisions. Take, for example, there may be someone here today that you have a friend and that friend has done you wrong. And now there's animosity, there's hard feelings between you and that friend. And the Lord is nudging you and telling you to go and apologize to reconcile. But maybe because of pride, you can't bring yourself to do that you are faced with a crucial decision. Take, for example, maybe there's someone here today after being married just five months, one year, five years. Ladies, that joker, that man that you married that was so sweet, he begins to act up. And there's some friend whispering in your ear saying, you just need to leave your marriage. You know that God would have you stay in that marriage and to reconcile yourself and reconcile that marriage, you are faced with a crucial decision. My young people, you're here today, and maybe you're at school, and you are conversing with your friends, and some of your friends are trying to get you to do things that you should not do, get you to go places that you should not venture off into. They're trying to get you to hold on to the left-handed cigarette. They're trying to get you to go to first base, second base, third base, and all the way home. And you know that is not what the Lord would have you to do. You are faced with a crucial decision. It is decisions like these that when we make our choice and we make our decision, it clearly communicates the philosophy the thing, the person that we are following. My brothers and sisters, out of all the questions and all the decisions that we will have to make and answer in this life, there is no greater decision that we will have to make other than what to do with the person of Jesus Christ. It is here in, the, in our text today that the apostles, that the disciples are faced with Three questions. They have to answer three questions that would ultimately lead to that crucial decision, whom do they follow? Notice, and go with me to the text, that here today they are faced with these three questions. The first question in verses 27 through 30, we find that they are asked to, to answer who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? In verses 31 through 34, they're called to answer the question, what did Jesus come to do? And then in verses 35 through 38, they're called to answer the question, what does Jesus call his followers to do? Consider with me the first question, who is Jesus? Notice in verse 27, the Bible says that Jesus went out along with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi. The Bible here gives us a marker of Caesarea Philippi. The Bible lets us know that in Luke, after much prayer, that Jesus finds himself around the area of Caesarea Philippi. But this marker is here to let us know about the journey that Jesus is taking from this point on. Every step that Jesus takes, every move that he makes now is headed to Jerusalem. He is 
it, the marker here is letting us know that his fate, F-A-T-E, towards the cross. Notice in chapter 9, he's in Capernaum. In chapter 10, he's in the regions of Judea and, and the Jordan. In chapter 11, verse 1, he approaches Jerusalem. And then in chapter 11, verse 11 and verse 15 and beyond, he's in Jerusalem. So now it sets up that this journey Jesus is about to take. And as Jesus brings his disciples along with him on this journey, he wants them to be clear of all the things that they have seen him do. He wants them to be clear of who it is that they are following. Jesus says and asks the question. The Bible says that he questioned them, his disciples saying to them, who do people say that I am? Who do people say that I am? Jesus' fame is growing. People have opinions of Jesus. And Jesus says, who do people say that Jesus is? And notice their answer. They told him, some saying John the Baptist. Others said Elijah. And others, maybe one of the prophets. Why John the Baptist? Well, if you go back over in Mark chapter 6, people were saying that it was John the Baptist. Even King Herod was stating that this is probably John the Baptist. Now, he was stating this out of guilt. The Bible says that John the Baptist would often meet with Herod, and he would sit down and he would talk to him. And Herod protected him because he was a righteous man. He was a good man. And even he told Herod the truth. He said, listen, you're not supposed to have your brother Philip's wife, Herodias. That's not right for you to marry her. But even in all of that, he didn't get upset. He protected John. Now, it was a different thing with, different thing with Herodias. Herodias felt like John was messing up her good thing. She was messing up with her, her money man. So she did not like John the Baptist. And the Bible said there was one strategic day that her daughter came in and he danced before Herod and his guests. And she did such a well job that he said, listen, you can have anything you want up to half of my kingdom. So she runs off. She talks to her mom. And her mom said, yes. And asked for John the Baptist's head on a charger. And so the young lady went back. And the king had to produce because he had given his word. Out of guilt, he was saying, this is John the Baptist risen from the dead, and he's performing all these miracles. Others said, no, this is Elijah, because it's prophesied in Malachi chapter 4, verse 5, that Jesus is gonna, God is going to send back Elijah before the last days, and he's going to restore the hearts of his people back unto him. Others said, no, this is one of the old prophets from the Old Testament that's rearing their head, that's prophesied to come in the last days. But did you notice? The opinion of who Jesus was by those that were outside of the family of faith. They said that he's a prophet. At best, a resurrected miracle worker. But Jesus only brings this question up to bring up a greater question. Because it's most important, if anybody's going to understand who Jesus is, it's not so much important of those on the outside understanding who Jesus is, but those, indeed, who are considering themselves followers of him. So Jesus brings up the question, notice what he says in verse 29, and he continued by questioning them and says, but who do you say that I am? Peter, on behalf of all the apostles, answers the question. Notice what Peter said. Notice the difference. Peter answered and said to him, you are the Christ. You are the Christ. You are the anointed one, the prophesied one of the Old Testament. You are deity. I like how Matthew's account says it in Matthew chapter 16. It says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And then Jesus goes on to say, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. But notice this from Matthew's account. Not by intellect, not by hearsay, but a revelation from the Father. If a person is going to know who Jesus is, they can't borrow their mother's faith. They can't borrow their pastor's faith. 
They can't borrow the faith from the television preacher. They must have their own personal faith of who Jesus is, their own revelation. In other words, they understand who the person of Jesus is. They're convinced of themselves. Nobody's born into Christianity. Nobody just automatically finds themselves in Christianity. But they have a personal relationship with the person of Jesus Christ because they know who he is. He is the Son of God. He is God. What about you and I today? Are you convinced of who Jesus is? A lot of times I talk to individuals and I ask, tell, them, tell me about your personal testimony. And people say things like, well, I just grew up in the church. I've always known Jesus. That one person told me, I've been knowing Jesus since my mother's womb. <laughs> right? And so with those type of statements, they're letting me know that they have borrowed someone else's faith. They're depending on somebody else's faith, but they've never come to the revelation of who Jesus is for themselves. He's more than just the man upstairs. Don't bring him down to that statement, he's, he's the man upstairs. He's my homeboy. No, he's God. He gets it correct. There was many opinions of um, who Jesus was in that day. There's many opinions of who Jesus is today. Take, for example, in Islam. Islam, Jesus is the penultimate prophet, the second to the last prophet, the one before Muhammad. And he's come to guide the children of Israel. But my Bible tells me that he's not the penultimate prophet, but he's the preeminent God. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 says, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. In Buddhism, he's an enlightened man, one who has lived previous lives before, and now he has reached his high state of enlightenment. He's an enlightened man, but my Bible tells us that he's not an enlightened man, that he is the light. John chapter 8, verse 12 says, I am the light of the world. Amen. And then, what about Hinduism? What about Hinduism? One of many gods, one of many ways to envision worship, one of many gods. Jesus says, I'm not one of many gods, but I am the gods. I'm not one way to God. I am the way to God. John chapter 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. People who have religion today have opinions of who Jesus is, but yet they're erroneous. But there's people who have opinion of Jesus today with no religion. Some people believe that Jesus is more like a, a, a grandfather, a genie, right? Somebody they can talk to when they're... Money is funny, their change is strange, they rub on him like honey. You know that type of person. <laughs> That's the type of person they are. Somebody they can go to and they can get a favor from. Call a friend type of God. That's, that's who they are. Other people see Jesus as insurance policy, right? Oh, I don't want to die and go to hell, so let me pray a prayer. Let me hang around the church and ultimately this may rub off on me and then I can go to heaven. What about us today? Who do you say that Jesus is? If it wasn't clear the first time, let me chant it to you again, that Jesus is deity. He's the word of God. He's the son of God. He is God. Notice here, Peter gets it correctly. Peter says that you're the Christ. But then he warns in verse 30, he warns them to tell no one about him. Now, this is funny. I'm an evangelism professor. You guys talked about evangelism in here and doing evangelism. Why would Jesus, after somebody confessed who he is, tell them to tell no one about who he is? The issue is this. There was an erroneous understanding of who the person of Christ was in that day. From Daniel chapter 7. They understood that he was someone that was supposed to come back on the clouds with all power and glory and might in his hand. And he was coming back and looking to be serving, going to set up the kingdom, their earthly kingdom, for them. But Jesus, 
switched it around. Jesus came the first time suffering and then came and will come back with all power, glory, and might. And so there was an erroneous understanding. So Jesus said, listen, I don't want you to go off talking about this because you do not fully understand who I am totally. It's not enough to understand who Jesus is. Many people say, yeah, I know Jesus. I know he's a savior. But Jesus communicated to them that it must go beyond just knowing who the person of Christ is. Not only that, consider the second question that the apostles, the disciples were called to answer. They were first called to answer who is Jesus, but then second, they were called to answer what did Jesus come to do? What did Jesus come to do? Jesus said, listen, I'm not coming to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. Mark chapter 10, verse 45. In verse 31, he says, the Bible says, And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. You may have missed that. Be killed, and after three days rise again. Be killed, and after three days rise again. The gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Jesus says, listen, I have come that I may die for sins that I didn't commit, as we said earlier, and only for a a punishment, give a payment for only that I can give. Jesus calls himself here the Son of Man. Why does he call himself the Son of Man? In Mark chapter 2, verse 8 and 10, in that area, he says that he has all authority and power. In verse 28, he says that he's the Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus here is communicating that I'm not only the Messiah that you understand that is to come, but I am actually God in the flesh. I have all authority and power. I am Lord over Sabbath. Mark, unlike the other Gospels, has this theme that runs through it, this messianic concealment. Jesus is not said to be the Christ, but only two times in this Gospel. And Mark chapter 1, verse 1, and then here he's said to be the Christ. So his followers have been walking with him, and seeing him do, seeing him do these particular miracles, but yet he has concealed who he really is and to some degree. But now the Bible says that he is stating the matter plainly in verse 32. And you see, there was a misunderstanding. Let me make it even clearer for you. Three times in the book of Mark, chapter 8, chapter 9, and chapter 10, Jesus is going to reveal to them what he came to do, that he came to suffer, to die, to be buried, to raise again for the people's sins. Here is one time. In Mark chapter 9, he says the same thing. And then the Bible says in verse 32 of Mark chapter 9, but they did not understand him and they were afraid to ask him. They were in ignorance, although they were following him. In Mark chapter 10, The Bible says that he says it again as he's approaching Jerusalem. But this time, they're not only in ignorance. Notice what they said. Since you are going up to heaven, grant me and my brother to sit on your right hand and on your left hand. They saw Jesus' death as a means of gain, as a means of benefit, as a means to have position and prestige. All three times, they misunderstood who Jesus is. Yet confirming who he is, but not understanding what he came to do. And so here he's stating it plainly, the Bible says. And then the Bible says in verse 32, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never that, Peter, not since you're hanging with me, never that, Jesus, since you're hanging with me, would I allow something like that to happen to you? My wife always tells always tell me that I'm from New Orleans, right? And grew up in the projects of New Orleans, right, even though we got the degree and all of that. She said, you know, when you go back to New Orleans, you have a different walk with you. You have a different swag with you. I don't like it, right? So it's almost like, can you imagine Pastor Derek being down in New Orleans with me? 
and somebody want to do him something home, you know, I'm going to have a different little swag about myself. I'm not going to allow them to do Pastor Derek anything. And so P- Peter's saying, listen, Jesus, nothing's going to happen to you as long as you're with us. But Jesus said in verse 33, but turning around and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter. And the way this is really read in the original language is that he kind of charged him up. Right? Sharply. He rebuked him. And he says, get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on God's interests, but man's. What is it? He's trying to dissuade Jesus from going to the cross, the very thing that God has sent Jesus to do. A person who knows Jesus, who's walking with Jesus yet, but they're missing the will of God, missing what Jesus has come to do. Do we have people like that today? First, the first um, service, like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. I don't know if they was talking about somebody else, but they, they knew exactly. Yeah, we have people like that today. Let me give you two recent historical events that we all can remember no matter the, your age. Recent history. Some, not all. Some, not all. Chant with me. Some... Not all. Some, not all. Now, you guys said this. Remember that you said this. Some, not all. A couple of years back, some people walk with Black Lives Matter, some, not all, tore up property, tore up cities, and people felt like they were doing that social justice cause in the name of Jesus. Some, not all. Some, not all. Say it with me. Some, not all. Some, not all. January the 6th, people prayed before they went into a government building, tore up government property, people lost their lives, and they felt like we're doing the service of God. Some, not all. Yes, people can call on the name of Jesus, hear about Jesus, but yet they can miss the purpose of Jesus. Now, maybe none of us was there in those situations, and I'm not saying, listen, that in those situations, people do not need to demonstrate their right, but it's a way that we do it. But what I'm saying here today is that a person can miss Although they can talk about Jesus and know about Jesus, they can miss what Jesus came to do. When we look in our lives, what do you see Jesus' purpose in your life? Well, I want a wife. I need Jesus to give me a wife. I want a husband. I'm preparing for a husband already. That's what Jesus is going to do. I want that car. I want... That house, I want prestige, I want more money, and I would just tap on a prayer and tap on Jesus' name, and I should get it. Because he came to give me life that I may have life and have it more abundantly. That's what they quote. You got books on the shelf that says, have your best life now. Right? It's all because this is what Jesus came to do. Let me tell you, Jesus did not come to be our personal waiters. He came to die a death for us because we all are sinners. Your circumstances may be different than mine. Mine may be different than yours. You may have a little sin. I may have a whole lot of sin. But guess what? You are in, we're in sin. And Jesus had to die for your sins, order you to be reconciled to God and be forgiven of your sin. Jesus says, listen, you got to understand who I am. But it's not enough to understand just who I am. You must also understand what it is that I have come to do. But Jesus says, don't stop there. If you understand who I am, if you understand what I come to do, then you know I am calling you to do something as well. And so they were faced with a third question What would Jesus have his followers to do? Go with me to the text. Notice what he says. 
And he summons the crowd. There's more than just the disciples there with his disciples. And he said to them, if anyone wishes to come after me, he gives this open invitation to everyone. If anyone wishes to come after me, Jesus is now about to take them down the road of this discipleship journey. And people always say, salvation does not cost you anything. Yes, salvation did not cost you anything. It cost Jesus something. And here it is, Jesus is now saying, this is what required of you. He says, first, deny yourself. Deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Peter, as we look, he affirmed who the person of Christ was, but yet his confession of who Jesus was was correct, but his uh, understanding what Jesus came to do was inadequate. And so now Jesus says, listen, if you are going to follow me, you must deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. What is he talking about, deny yourself? In other words, to follow Jesus, it starts with a denial of self. Anybody wants to follow Christ, they must deny themselves. In other words, take yourself off the throne of, your, of, the, uh, the throne of life and put Jesus in his rightful place. This is what I wanted but I can't have it because it's about Jesus. This is what I wanted to do, but I can't have it because it's about Jesus. This is where I wanted to go, but I can't go because it's about Jesus. That's what Apostle Paul said in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Paul says, I am crucified with Christ. I no longer live. What are you talking about? Paul, Paul says, I no longer live. Yet not I, but it's Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live in the flesh. By faith towards the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul says, I have denied myself, I have died to my flesh, and I am living for God, and God is living through me. Not only that, he says, deny yourself, take up your cross. This instrument of persecution, this instrument reserved for those who were the, the most heinous criminals, those that were murderers. Then, obviously, those that were blasphemers, saying, um, blaspheming, right? Saying that there were other gods. How does this apply to us? Be willing to endure persecution, be willing to endure rejection, even be willing to endure death. So, in other words, although you are a Christian, be willing to be treated like a criminal. Don't go around thinking that nothing will happen to me because I am a Christian. The Bible says that you have been called to be glorified with God, but also to suffer with God. Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. In constant pursuit, there it's in the present, be in constant pursuit of the person of Jesus. I told the crowd earlier, you remember the game Waldo? Right? When we were looking at, like, where is Waldo? Every morning we wake up, we ought to say, where is Jesus? Can I go over there and find Jesus? Can I do this and then find you in a proverbial sense? Can I do this and find Jesus? Be in a hot pursuit of Jesus every day. Is your life characterized in that way? Do you only meet Jesus over there on Sunday? Jesus said, he must deny himself, take his cross, and follow me. But whosoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whosoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. Jesus lets us know that the person of Jesus and the work of Jesus should have priority in our life. We are not told to run to persecution, but we are not permitted to run from it. Here Jesus lets us know the desire to follow him in self-preservation, ultimately leads to self-destruction. Now, my son is homeschooled, and I get the privilege of most of the time being his math teacher. But if you're trying to learn math and look at Jesus, you're going to be misunderstood the way we do math. See, we say two plus two is four. Right? We get more, we gain by getting more. But look what Jesus says. Jesus says, no, you get more by losing. Look what he says. For whosoever wishes to save his life 
will lose it, but whosoever loses life for my sake and the gospels will save it. Not only do you save your life because of the sake of Jesus, people say, I'm willing to die for Jesus, I'm willing to go for the cause, but also for the sake of the gospel. Hold up, hold up, preacher. I don't talk about religion, and I don't talk about Christianity and things like that. Well, you don't have to talk about religion, but you need to talk about Jesus. Right? Jesus says, you're giving up your life for the sake of me and the gospel. In other words, I'm calling you and putting you, putting you in the gospel ministry. I know there's be times that it's going to be fearful. I know times that people are going to look down on you and you, it's going to be fearful to share the gospel and it's going to be hard, but we must do it because this is the only way that a person can come to Christ. Jesus says, not only for my sake and the sake of the gospel. Let me ask you a question. Then. That was a, uh, a little quick question. When was the last time you shared the gospel? And I get it. We don't all share the gospel every day. I, that's fine. Nobody does. Let me ask you this. The last time you tried to share the gospel, what stopped you from doing it? Remember, Jesus called you to be fishers of men. He goes on to say, for what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and to forfeit his soul? What will a man give in exchange for his soul? Once again, I told you I was from the projects of New Orleans, Louisiana, so when I got saved, I thought I'd go back and try to minister to individuals in the same culture, in the same climate. So I said, I'm going to go back. I'm going to talk to those, those guys that are selling drugs. I'm going to talk to those guys that are gangbanging and do all of those type of things. And so I, I went with the preacher. We went into the projects, and I'm talking to this guy. And I'll never forget, I'm talking to this guy, and while I'm talking to him, a car goes by with nice, loud sound and nice wheels, and shh, he can't listen to what I'm saying. And then he checks back in, and then as I'm talking to him, some friends walk by and say, hey, we're going to that party tonight. I say, yeah, 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 we're going. Shh, he can't listen to what I'm saying. Finally, a young lady that walks by, and he looks at her, shh, and he can't listen to what I'm saying. So I just start to ask him, and I ask us the same question today. What is it that we are willing to give in exchange for our soul? What is it that you are running after so hard that you can't give yourself to Jesus? Well, see, if, if I can just get this position, then I'm going to be able to give more time to the things of God. If I can just get to this house, then I'll give more time to the things of God. If I can just get this person first, that'll make all the dominoes fall, and then I'll give more time to the things of God. Jesus said, there's nothing that a man should be willing to give in exchange for his soul. For whosoever is ashamed of me and my words and his adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will also be ashamed of him when he comes in the glory of his Father with his holy angels. To make this very clear, Jesus says, anybody's ashamed of me, they deny me. I am going to deny them. In other words, listen, if you walk around and keep your mouth closed now and say, man, I don't really know Jesus. I'll just do my own little thing. When the Father comes, Jesus says, I don't know them. <laughs> That's what it is. He's going to deny you. He says he's going to deny. He's going to be ashamed of him when he comes in the glory of his Father with his angels. Not everybody will be excited at the appearing of Christ. Those of us are able to sing these songs today. We're able to get excited, and it will be a joyous time. The Bible tells us in Titus 2.13, it says, We wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our God, great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. You think we were celebrating here today? We are going to have a time of celebration. Hallelujah. Amen. But think about all the people in your life. Think about all the family members and all of the friends that don't know Jesus. They're not going to be celebrating. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 20, it's going to be a time they're going to be fleeing. They're going to be running because they're going to have to stand before God at the white throne judgment and give an account to the things they have done in this body. And ultimately, they are going to taste hell and go to hell, be eternally separated from God because they do not know who Jesus Christ is. What about you today? What about myself today? Have you decided to follow Jesus? The Bible says here 
that we must understand who Jesus is, we must understand what he came to do, and we must understand what he's calling us to do. You know what this text is about? It can be summed up in one statement. Here it goes. Our confession of who Jesus is and our recognition of what he came to do determines the extent to which we will follow. Our confession of who Jesus is, our recognition of what he came to do determines the extent to which we will follow. The reason why people don't follow Christ is because they don't know Christ. The reason why people don't follow Christ is because they don't truly, have not truly embraced what Jesus have come to do. Our confession of who he is and then recognition of what he came to do should fuel, should give us fuel for how we follow, how we pursue him. Bible says in John chapter 10, verse 27, my sheep listen to my voice. They know me and they follow me. A person who knows who they follow, there's a sense of trust. There's a sense of obedience. Matthew chapter 4, verse 19 says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Those that know who Jesus is and those that know what he came to do, there's a sense of involvement in the gospel ministry, evangelism. John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus is the light of the world. The light of life is in him. Those that know who Jesus is, those that know what he came to do, they understand that they're walking in the light and they have the light themselves. Whom it is that you follow? Who is it that you follow? Have you decided to follow Jesus? Are you following Jesus? Have you made up in your mind that no matter what happens, you are going to follow Jesus? You know, we sing that song, I have decided to follow Jesus. Though none go with me, still I will follow. The world behind me, the cross before me, I have decided to follow Jesus. But have we ever considered the motivation, the story that is behind that song? Historians tell us that it was a man from India that, India, that was saved through the efforts of missionaries. This man, prior before getting saved, was a headhunter. He would go around killing people, and he had the skulls of those individuals on his head. And so if you walked into the place where he lived, you saw death all around you. But the Bible says that, not the Bible, historian says that he was saved. And ultimately, this news got back to the tribal chief. The tribal chief pays the man a visit with archers. And he tells the man, if you denounce your faith, I will not shoot down your two sons. The man replies, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. So the tribal chief shoots down one son, shoots down the other son, and now both kids are lying there in their blood, twitching, taking their last breath. The tribal chief said, listen, I'll give you another chance. If you denounce your faith, we won't kill your wife. The man replies, though none go with me, still I will follow. The tribal chief have the archers come up, and he shoots down his wife. Now his sons are there dead. His wife is there taking her last breath in a pool of blood. The man has nothing else to sacrifice. But they come to him one more time and they say, listen, if you will not, will not denounce your faith in Christ, we will take your life as well. And the man replies, the world behind me, the cross before me, I have decided to follow Jesus. As fate would have it, the archers would shoot him down as well. But something began to happen as this man is lying there dead in his family. It caused the tribal chief to think about what, what kind of man will allow his kids to die for faith? What kind of man will allow his wife, his bride, to die for faith? What kind of man would give his own life for faith? 
If this man's faith is this strong, I too must have this faith. My brothers and sisters, I just want to submit to you today that that man was fully convinced of whom he followed. The apostles were stoned, crucified, beheaded for faith because they were fully convinced of who it was they were following. What about you and I today? Are we convinced in that way? Do we have that type of faith? My prayer today is that we have that type of faith. We be fully convinced of who it is that we're following, what he came to do, and what he is calling us to do. If you're a person here today, if you have never placed your trust and faith in Jesus Christ, you're not sure if that you died today that you would spend eternity with God. In other words, you really don't know who Jesus is. Today is an opportunity for you to have to accept Christ. How do I do that? Simply acknowledge that you are a sinner. You believe in your heart that Jesus died upon the cross for your sins and the sins of the world. And the fact that he died and you believe in that, you're repenting and turning and putting your trust in him, that you can be reconciled to God, have faith in God, have forgiveness of sins, and ultimately spend eternity with God. Don't walk out of here without getting with Pastor Derek, myself, or someone and being sure that you know the Jesus of the Bible. Those of us who says, I'm saved, I know I'm saved. Nobody can ever convince me that I'm not. Examine yourself today. Allow the Spirit to examine you. And as he is tapping you on your shoulder and saying, listen, these are areas in which you are falling short. If, if People may not even be convinced that you are a Christian by the way that you're following. You're saved and you're not working to get saved. But the issue is we want to glorify God in everything that we do. Allow God to call you back to him and, and walk in a way that you walk with him once before. That is my prayer for you today. Will you pray with me? Eternal Father, we do thank you and we do praise you for your goodness, for your mercy, and for your grace. Thank you for this word that has went forth today. Father, I am not um, prideful to think that the things that I said made a difference, but yet I pray that the scriptures that were opened up, opened us, opened up to us today through the Spirit have convinced us, are we really saved or not? And if we're not, Father, let us find someone that can share the gospel with us and rightly direct us through the word of God. And for those of us that who are saved, convict us, Father, and let us walk again the way we have walked before, that we may glorify you in everything that we do. God, we pray that you be exalted right now. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. You know, I told, I told first service that that's three weeks in a row now that we have seen this correlation between loving Jesus and keeping his commandments, loving Jesus and following him and following the way in which he directs us. Uh, we return back to 1 John next week, and uh, I'm real excited about that text. John is going to have an address to uh, the, older, the older people in the faith, not older in age. Older people in the faith, kind of middle of the road faith, you know, uh, kind of think sophomore year, uh, and, and then brand new believers. And he has something a little bit different to say to each category of people. And so I'm, I'm very excited to share that, that with you and to continue in our Under Construction series. Um, what I'm not certain of is where I'm going to be sharing that with you. 
Uh, our hope is that we're back in the worship center next week. We are waiting to find out if our sound system works, and uh, we're, we've been advised to wait several days before we turn that system on just to let water evaporate if it did get into the speakers. We don't want to fry it by turning it on too preemptively. So what that means then is my class Wednesday night, Binge Reading the Bible, will be uh, tentatively on. Uh, we'll still meet if we don't have a sound system, if we turn it on and it's no good. We'll still do something. I'm not really sure what yet. I'll have a backup plan uh, in mind for that. But uh, what that will mean then is if you're not on uh, or if, let, me, let me put it this way. If you're on social media and you don't follow City on a Hill DFW, be sure to do so. You can check the website. If you're not on social media, if you've not been drugged into the evil empire of social media, don't let this be the thing that makes you take the dive, all right? <laughs> Keep yourself free from all stain, brothers and sisters who are not on social media. Uh, but if you are, then, then do follow us because we will be giving you updates. You can also use the Church Center app and, uh, and then check the website. Those are all uh, fine ways of approaching that. Did we have fun in here? Is this not a bad space? Yeah. I think, uh, I mean, for a 48-hour turnaround, it, it, uh, it worked out well. No thanks to the efforts of uh, the team here, and, and that's not just the staff, but all the wonderful volunteers as well. Thank you guys for making this possible. Thank you again, Dr. Bradford. We're grateful for you, your ministry. I don't remember if I said this during the welcome. Did I tell you about his church and... Okay, yeah. So um, I called him this week because he is on staff at First Baptist Mansfield. And if you remember two years ago, the snowpocalypse, remember that? Their uh, pipes froze and busted and f flooded their worship center, like foot of water. It was crazy. And uh, they met in the gym for like eight to nine months. They just got back into their worship center in September of last year. So when I came in Friday, I called Carl and I said, I blame you for this. You brought this with you from your church to ours. And so, no, we're very grateful. What a, what a, great, what a great way to uh, face circumstances that are outside of our control with joy and gratitude. Amen? God bless you. We'll see you next week.